Welcome to the Lulu Logic Podcast. I'm Nick Lewis. I'm your host. Welcome back for episode 39. This episode, three brothers, three Grey Cup champs, three different teams, and only two different quarterbacks. You're going to find out about their life growing up in Raymond, Alberta, small town, how they competed, how they enjoyed each other's company, and how the younger one always looked up to the older ones knowing that he could get there one day, and he did. Without further ado, this is the Lulu Logic Podcast. Today's guests are from Raymond, Alberta. Brock went to Wyoming University and went on to play for the Edmonton Eskimos, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and Hamilton Ticats, and had over 3,000 yards in his career. Brett went to Boise State University and then was drafted in the sixth round by the Calgary Stampeders in the 2005 draft and finished with over 2,500 yards and 12 touchdowns in his career. And, his young, and their younger brother, Jimmy, is going into his fourth season in the CFL as he spent most of the time with the Toronto Argonauts for three seasons and now is going on to play for the Edmonton Eskimos. All three brothers have great cup championship rings, and Jimmy now looks to be the first one to get to. Welcome to the show, Jimmy, Brock, and Brett Ralph. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you, Nick. Really appreciate you having us. How y'all doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got to formulate how we how we communicate here. Who's going? Who's going to answer questions here? It's all good. It'll it'll sound good because, you know, you three are a true inspiration for kids from all small towns. How many how many people is in Raymond? I think we're about four thousand right now. You know, I'm from a town of four thousand people as well. Small town Texas. I wonder if there's some similarities. <laughs> I used to, you know, the rodeo used to always be on my birthday um, in June. Do y'all have a rodeo there? Yeah, the rodeo would have normally been today, but first time in over 100 years that it hasn't taken place. So, yeah, it's wow. everything shutting down. What's the rodeo like there? A lot of people come in or? Yeah, you get a good turnout. People come back home from the states they come back home from all over western canada and get a good show like a small town stampede yep yeah. you ever been to stampede brock yes sir what's I your actually, uh, yeah last year is my first year to do the the rodeo part of it and the uh, chuck wagons all in the same long day but enjoyed it that's awesome jimmy you been to stampede yeah i did i actually uh when, when I was young, I don't really remember it, but last year we were actually on the road on our uh, three-game West uh, trip last year. So we were playing and prepping for Calgary during the, the Calgary Stampede. So a couple of the guys from, from the team went, and I I was kind of showing them, but I hadn't remembered from when I would went when I was a kid. But, yeah, it was good to go back. Usually you don't get to because the summers get pretty hectic with sports and things like that. But, yeah, I got to check it out. Growing up, did you ever ride – anyone ever ride any horses like – um, in an event. <laughs> not in an event. To, no, no, not in an event. <laughs> my cousin used to bull ride. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> don't, don't let Brock fool you. He was he was first prize in the parade when he was about eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> That's an event. Had <laughs> a cute pony. <laughs> so if you if you were gonna do one event in a rodeo, and we'll start with you, Brett, what event would it be? Uh, we're I not going to hold you to it. I'm going to calf. I'm a calf roper. I think calf roper. 
Yeah, you got to use those quick hands. Quick from your horse to your calf. Bro. Catching the calf might be a struggle, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> Well, are they going to let the males barrel race? <laughs> <laughs> that looks the funnest. Safest. <laughs> well, and I think i got to be the Bronx. I think i got the Bronx with my core strength. I think I could hold on for an easy eight seconds. Yeah, no is, way. Is that one bareback or is that the one with the saddle? I'd probably go old school if I was to do it. Yeah. Hold it. Hang on to the hair. <laughs> yeah. You ever seen eight seconds? Absolutely. Yeah. Tough Hedeman. Classic. Yeah. I was just talking about Luke Perry the other day with my cousin, and I was like, he, he was in eight seconds. He was like, yeah. Yeah. That was a that was a great, great movie. What do you like most about the rodeo? You know, when the rodeo's coming to town, what do you enjoy the most about that atmosphere? Brett. <laughs> You, Brett, Brett's, Brett's, oh, Brett's you. kids Brett's, rodeo, so you've got about five kids that all uh, participate in the rodeo. Uh, yeah, I'm living the rodeo life right now, so it's it's kind of different from, I guess, years ago when you just go as a spectator and just enjoy. Now I got to live the the pressure of a parent that's not only worried about the safety of the of your daughter, but also nervous for just any any time your kids compete in anything. You got the nerves same nerves that they do probably more and so yeah it's it's enjoyable but stressful at the same time but I don't know aside from that I think just we we grew up I wouldn't say we grew up on a ranch by any means but we grew up around horses our family was into horse racing for generations and and so it's it's kind of been a part of our life maybe more so horse racing than rodeoing until I married into it but uh we appreciate the animals. I think you appreciate the skill, the skill set that a lot of these guys have and girls have. So I, I, I love nothing more than a good rodeo. There's, there's definitely a difference between a good rodeo and a bad rodeo though. What's a bad rodeo? <laughs> well, just there's some, there's some rodeos where guys are getting on horses that aren't going to stay on for eight seconds. And then there's the, the stampede and the NFRs of the world where very rarely they fall off. So it's, it's the skills definitely differ from top to bottom. Okay. You, know, you should know a good rodeo living in Texas, geez. Oh, yeah, I know a good rodeo. But, you know. <laughs> a bad one, too, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I thought, you know, I think a bad rodeo is just when everybody gets hurt. Yeah, well, that's a bad rodeo. Yeah, it's usually the bad ones that end up even worse. I always enjoyed the clowns. <clears throat> They're crazy. Yeah. Would you ever run with the bulls? Heck no. No. <laughs> No you? Well, hey, if I was with you, Nick, I would, because I knew I was faster than you. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the fastest at all three of you? Brock? Yeah, Brock, for sure. Brock used to be a blazer, man. Can you still run? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I've seen something that said that you were drafted in MLB. Yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah, I was drafted as a young high schooler that uh, didn't know much about how that all was uh, going to lay out and uh, kind of learned as I went. But yeah, I mean, we all just played kind of high school baseball up here. And then for a couple months in the summer, we joined a Montana league. Um, 
so we all played and I would consider us a baseball family, but uh, not like some of the guys in the States. So yeah, I think I was drafted just kind of on a guy with some, maybe some raw skill and uh, my speed probably played into my stock, but I was actually drafted back to back years, um, 30 rounds apart. <laughs> <laughs> I said no the first time and then got drafted again by the same team the next year uh, while I was attending University of Wyoming for football. So second go around was a little more of a decision. Some more money thrown at me and opportunity that way, but stuck with football. That's awesome. So just uh, yeah, never really got to see whether I could be any good. I wasn't great when I played, but uh, you'll steal some bases. That's right. <laughs> got to get on, and then yeah, <laughs> bunt singles. <laughs> <laughs> Ask these guys. I'd bunt once a game. Really. So I'm, so I'm pretty sure in small towns, you play every sport. Was everybody like that? You played basketball, baseball, ran track? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say, I would say a majority of kids. Now there's the odd kid that just wants to stick with one, but I would say a majority of the kids that we grew up with, um, football in the fall, basketball in the winter, and baseball in the spring, and then track, I would say, like we have, there's some, been some track success stories in our town, but I wouldn't say it's as big as, like, from a school aspect. It probably wasn't as big back then as, as maybe it could have been. But yeah, very, very rarely growing up did you have a friend that was just a one sport athlete. And I think that that kind of probably had to do with a lot of success we had in sports as a small town competing in a, the highest level possible in in Alberta. Is you had all round athletes. Like it wasn't like, and so. Definitely, as the seasons changed, your favorite sport changed. Like, yes. I wouldn't say that anybody could say that football was their favorite when they're playing baseball in the spring and, and vice versa. Yeah. See, I'm always a basketball guy. Mm -hmm. I was kind of forced into football. I love basketball. Uh, I remember an old, out of shape, 2008, Nick Lewis used to school Jimmy out on the basketball court. <laughs> <laughs> remember that. that was the first game in, our new, in, in the new gym. Yeah. That was a good atmosphere. You put on a good show. Yeah. A lot of people we, still bring that up to this day. That's probably, what, 10 years ago now? That was 2008. 12, eight, yeah. 12 years ago. So in high school, y'all had a lot of success. You won championships in high school. Brock, you and Brett, y'all play together? We did. Both receivers? Yes. How was that? What's the experience like going out there playing with your brother? Well, for me, it was – I was sandwiched between uh, my older brother, Dustin, who was only a grade older, and yeah. then there was a gap between me and Brett. So my years of growing up, I was in Dustin's shadow. He, you know – He went to Wyoming too, right? What's that? He went to Wyoming too? Yeah, he did for yeah, a couple years there. Um, yes, yeah, I mean, but he was a, he was a really good player early and, uh, you know, got a lot of the attention and I was kind of a grade behind him, just skinny <laughs> kid that could run and, uh, didn't have much else figured out. But so I got to play with Dustin and kind of, like I said, watch him do his thing. And then, uh, yeah, once he left then Brett was, he was in 10th and first year and 
I was in my senior year. So that yeah, was, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I felt different about playing with Brett than I did Dustin. I think you could go a little bit big brother mode, you know, it's like, geez, the little guy, he's out here for real. I remember that at Wyoming when he played as a true freshman. It's like, this guy is not old enough, big enough to be out here, you know, <laughs> but uh, no, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, when they're both as skilled as they were, um, sometimes I'd just sit and kind of watch them and count on them to, to do their thing. So, yeah, playing with each other was a lot of fun. And then my dad was a coach for several years. So, yeah. you know, we were all just kind of intertwined. And if it wasn't your game, you're watching your brothers, you know, <laughs> coordinating your schedule around each other. Brad, how was it playing with Brock? Well, he's he's probably being – I think it was probably different in, in each sport. I think football, I, I came in as a grade 10 kid, and I don't feel like I, I – I wouldn't say I was a huge contributor. I, I was out there and caught the odd ball that came my way, but I think we probably had a little bit more of a connection in probably in basketball. Like is um, played a couple of years together in baseball and then played varsity basketball together for that same year we played football. And, and I feel like that was probably those other sports were probably sports where maybe I could fit in a little bit more football was Back then, it was run the ball most of the time, and Brock could run deep and catch his long balls and runs the sweeps. And, and so I, I, I don't feel like I was a huge contributor at that point. I think as we got older and, and as I got to go to Wyoming and play with him, that was kind of, <clears throat> that was kind of what, what I looked forward to as a, as a high school kid that kind of had to make the decision between or sorry, baseball and football. Um, there was a lot of people that said, why the heck aren't you playing baseball? Like, that's yeah, more of a future in that. And it was really the opportunity to play with, with Rock and Dustin in Wyoming that, that solidified the decision. So um, that was – we only played one year together at Wyoming before I went on a mission. Yeah. But uh, it was it was a dream come true. And it was the only time that all three of us got to suit up in the same uniform at the same time. So. Oh, that's awesome. Still to this day, one of the like, – like I said, I only went there for one season. But I, I still consider that one of the – my favorite years of football from grade seven to 2009. It was a good experience. And, and when you, when you grow up idolizing your brothers, it's pretty, it's kind of a dream come true to all of a sudden be on the same court or the same field. And so a lot of good memories and things that I'll never forget. Jimmy, you were the younger guy, man. You were 10 years younger than Brett. How was it? Do you remember watching them play? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure they can validate this. But when I was a kid, I, I could name every player on the roster. I remember whenever I had a little break in school or I could ever get the computer and have some free time, for some reason I'd go to the Esks and the Stamps website and look at their rosters. So I was pretty involved and you probably remember as well. Um, Brett was, Brock did as well when he was in Hamilton. They, they let me kind of tag along for a couple weeks in the summer um, when I was a young kid in middle school. And so I got to be around the team and kind of get a taste of what professional atmosphere was like and, and I think that was a lot of reason that I went on and had the success and to, to make it to the professional level because you know my brothers did pave the way for me and they showed they showed me how but they also involved me in the process too and they they let me experience it and and I'm grateful for that because that's that's something that a lot of kids don't get to get to experience and I think it really did give me an upper hand because it kind of did give me a belief I remember 
Craig Dickinson, when he was probably at the end of his career, I would just spot up for him. And uh, you guys would be practicing. I'd just sit there and catch balls from about 40, 50 yards away, and he'd just put it right in the basket. So, you know, you're seeing a professional quarterback throw you balls as a, as a junior high kid. So, yeah, it was, it was cool to, to be 10 years behind, see them play professional as a fan and as a brother, and to look up to them and idolize them. And, and then all of a sudden your, your dream becomes a reality and you're playing against, you know, I got I to compete against you and guys that played against my brothers. There's a few left that are still playing, but it's pretty Dinosaurs. cool to share the field. Yeah, there's, there's a few. <laughs> I don't know if there is any more left. I don't, I don't know if there's any that would have still played with, with my brothers. You were one of the last ones. Brian Smith, I don't know, Chip Cox was, was one that was pretty cool to play against him because I remember my brothers competing against him and Brett getting pushed into the camera by Chip Cox and then yeah. all of a sudden, 10 years later, I'm, he's guarding me in my, in my first start and he comes on the field and jokes about it. So you get those experiences as a kid and then you get, a, you get a, the reality of it as, a, as an adult, professional, pretty fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, you – you take the long path. You talk about going on the mission. Brock, did you, uh, did you go on your mission? No, I did not. You didn't? Brett, you're the only one? Or Jimmy, did you go on a mission? I did for three months. Yeah. It's a two-year mission, but I only went for three months, yes. But Brett, Brett went. Brett yeah, went. Brett, when you, you went, and then what happened when you came back? Well, you know what, I was, you kind of lose connection to the world as far as um, kind of what's going on. I left Wyoming, obviously, in my mind, thought I was going back there. Um, as I was out on my mission, a coaching change happened at Wyoming. Uh, the brothers were going to be gone from there. Uh, looked at some different options and ended up going to Boise State. Uh, got married before going to Boise State and um, kind of just, Great experience there, great coaching staff, great teammates, just a great place to play. Boise State was kind of on the rise at the time. Um, and then I thought, you know what, I, working down there was difficult, having a Canadian wife that couldn't work. So we, we ended up kind of just pushing us back up to Alberta, ended up going to the U of A, thinking that that's where I was going to finish my schooling and kind of finish my football career. And then came up and had to sit out a year at the U of A, practiced, and then and unexpectedly got drafted by Calgary and still kind of with the expectation that I was probably going to go back and play another year at Edmonton at least and then and came to camp and made it. So, yeah, it's, the mission was a you, – you definitely come back a couple of years more mature. I don't know. I'm not saying I came back any faster or any stronger, but you, you've got a chance to kind of see what's out there and see the real world. And Yeah. So, yeah, it was a good experience. Brock, by this time you're you're in Edmonton. You got drafted in the second round. What was it like going from college to the pros? Like, when did you know that you were going to play professional football? Was that the goal once you were at Wyoming, or what was kind of the mindset and how did it happen? Yeah, um, when I was down at Wyoming, I was my mind was wrapped up in the American game and uh, the ultimate goal was to get the NFL. Um, yeah, when I got drafted to the CFL, I, I actually didn't even know there was a draft happening or that I was eligible for it because it happened. I didn't even be drafted as a junior or whatever. So I believe it was my mom that called me that said I'd been drafted and 
I still remember the first thing that went to my head was <laughs> I was thinking about war. <laughs> I just because I didn't know what what draft was happening or what she's talking about. But um, yeah, you know what? That I knew I was going to finish my eligibility, so that uh, kind of snuck up on me and was traded from Ottawa to Edmonton before I made my way up. And uh, yeah, once that. That kind of lined up that way. My mind changed to settling into, you know, yeah, the Canadian game again and living back closer to home. And, uh, yeah, the transition was, it was easy. I mean, you know, you kind of just bounce around and whatever's next, you, you put your head down and try and take care of business. And, yeah, I was traded around a number of times. So I got used to <laughs> new scenery and, being uncomfortable. Yeah. You played with some great receivers over in Edmonton. I did. Yeah. yeah Ed, when I went Jay Tuck. Mm-hmm. Did you play with Terry Vaughn as well? Mm-hmm. He's going to be on the podcast soon. Yeah. And Mookie Mitchell. How was that, just going in there with those guys, that caliber of receiving core? and just fitting in and, and being a guy that can go out there and do what you did. Yeah, I mean, I was just happy to be a part of that group. <laughs> it was those four. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think when I first went there, I didn't know how good they were in comparison to other receivers in the league and just in general, uh, you know, still kind of trying to figure out the quality of the CFL and, you know, the American player that was coming this way. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, each one of those guys was such a different style of receiver. And they were all just old heads that like, they had that knowledge, you know? Yeah. Um, something that I, I kind of felt took me until, you know, the last part of my career to figure out. They were kind of at that point. And so, I mean, yeah, just some smart guys that knew the game, uh, were very professional, uh, had expectations for the guys around them and I, yeah I, I just remember feeling a little bit of pressure to to carry my load and you know I was the Z receiver the wide guy so they were kind of you know obviously taking care of most of the business and I was just trying to catch anything thrown my way and not look too out of place but I mean that was it was huge for me you know a couple of them especially just really took me under their wing and to have quality veterans that will give you the time of day and that understand the game and the profession like they did. Uh, you know, I even know, and I won't speak for Brett, but, you know, you and some of those other guys there uh, had the same thing going in Calgary, um, yeah. really quality group. And I know all of us would like to say that's why we won great cups is because we had quality receiver groups, but yeah, very spoiled that way. Yeah. Jimmy, you played in a group as well. Mm-hmm. You had SJ and D Walk last year. Yeah. How was that? Yeah, it was cool. Um, like I said, another guy that, another OG uh, SJ. Um, I remember watching him. Uh, he he was kind of just starting when when Brett and Brock were ending. Kind of 08, 09 was when he started coming up. So I followed him growing up, and and we picked him up right before uh, we went into camp. So I kind of I knew who he was, but. It was cool because um, I, we have a connection with Darius Bowman. Um, yeah. Brock's good friends with him, and I think he put out a good word for me. 
And so SJ kind of took me under his wing right when I got to camp. Um, kind of noticed me, uh, told me that he saw some comparisons with, with Ben Cahoon, who he played against. And so kind of teased me about that for the first, for the first season. And, and we, we gained a good relationship. I ended up being a walker right uh, two over from him. But having a guy like that to, to give me the confidence early on in my career and let me know that I belong there, that was huge because, I'd, you know, he's been around for I – mean, he's going into over 10 years at that point, and he'd been around the league and, again, had so much knowledge. And he was, he was just a guy that, that knew how to take care of his job. That was, that was the one thing that he did, no matter uh, – I'll call him out, SJ, but um, – he, a guy that can eat Skittles, do all those things. But when it comes down to, to doing the job, he's going to run the right, right route. He's going to know which coverage it is. He's going to take care of – I mean, you play against him in Montreal. You know how he is. Yeah. He's a professional on the field, and, and it's all about results. And he, he, he produces every day. And the catches he's making in practice and things that you don't see on camera, it's crazy. But just to have guys like that and to, to give you that confidence was cool. Yeah, we used to put on highlight reels. It was me, him, and Fred Stamps in 15 oh, together. Yeah. Right, so we had a great, great chemistry, right? Because we all had respect, so much respect for each other. Yeah. And I like SJ is like a little brother to me now. And one of the things that I talked to him about was was being able to pass it on at some point, right? Um, I remember a funny story. We're sitting in a meeting in two a days in training camp, and some receiver runs something in a one on one, and he messes up. And I was like, do this. I told him how to do something. And then I get a tap on the shoulders. SJ tapped me on the shoulder. was like, hey, don't forget me. What am I doing wrong? I'm like, dude, <laughs> like you've been in the CFL for nine years. And like you, you've been an all-star. I'm not going to just sit here and tell you what to do. Yeah, But that's how he is. He's, he's so humble and, and, and so uh, approachable and always wants to get better. And we've all been fortunate. Brett, you were – you had some good receivers around you. Like I always say, Kenyon is, is my number one guy. I think Kenyon's the most talented guy that I've been around that could do everything. Yeah, I got, I got spoiled too. I, and I, I was, like I said, I was down south when Brock started his, kind of started his CFL career. But when I remember coming up and I remember watching you in Calgary the year before I got there and I was obviously cheering for the Eskimos with Brock and been there at the time. But then it, show up to camp and and really it was kind of a brand new calgary team like yeah. you were, you were the only returning Copeland receiver and you got, yeah. you got copeland coming back in you got a new quarterback you got rambo um and so Jenkins. these are guys that i have i've obviously had watched copeland um when he was in montreal but to come in there and all of a sudden be surrounded by talent and and the thing that i think you obviously appreciate the talent but like barack and, and jimmy both said it's when you're surrounded by guys that make you feel at home. Um, it's very easy. I think back to you, I, I was a 22 year old kid that had basically two years of college experience um, spread out over four years. And now I'm coming in and I'm playing with some guys that have played in the NFL. I've had successful year or so in the CFL and you're with a future hall of fame quarterback. It's, it could be intimidating, but I don't ever feel like I came into camp and felt like, you know what, these guys are, are acting all high and mighty. I never got that impression. And it was a, it was a comfortable feeling right from day one. And uh, I look back and think how spoiled I was. It, it's unheard of to think that I played a five-year career in Calgary and had the same, four of the same receivers for five years. We obviously yeah. had a couple of additions and had Ron B. Bryant come in and, and 
ET come in, but but for the most part, to, to be able to play with the same guys and the same quarterback and the same running back for for a whole career is is kind of unheard of. And I'm not <laughs> I'm yeah. definitely happy for that. Yeah, it was a it was a fun run. You know, we we I almost feel like we all grew together, right? I was only 22 at the time when you got there. So, I mean, I was going into my second year and all these guys, I, I felt the same way. I was a division two walk on that's coming to, that's, I'm in Canada, I get rookie of the year. And then it's like, and then I remember Barker told me, he was like, I don't even think Nick's going to make the team. He told my agent that. Cause we had, you know, Marte Jenkins coming in and Rambo and Cope and, you know, you get in those situations and, you know, unfortunately the business side of it, Brock, like you said, you know, getting traded around and all this business that goes on that, that people don't see. And it's like a constant battle within ourselves. Um, like I remember one time, Brett, uh, we were sitting there and you were pissed off. You, you didn't get a ball thrown your way. You were like, man, this is like two weeks in a row. I didn't get a ball thrown my way. And that was the first time I seen any anger from you at all because you were so quiet and, and we had talked because like, I'm loud and I'm <laughs> like, I'm loud. I don't get the ball. I'm cussing, I'm yelling and, and Brett's over here. And I remember I told you, I said, look, I didn't, I thought you had to be that way to show how competitive you were. But then I started to notice really how competitive you were. Were the two of you, Jimmy and Brock, were you loud? Were you just always silent? Like, because I know you're competitive. I know all three of you are ultra competitive because that's why you got to where you got to. But what was your approach? And how did you go about that? I'd say I'm a little bit more quiet. I think, especially more as I get a little older in my career, I seem to be a little bit more quiet, maybe because I'm a little bit more smaller compared to my, my opponents. I don't know why, but. I feel like I talked a little more smack uh, when I was in high school, but never, never a ton. I was always a guy that seemed to play my mouth shut and just try and try and focus on the task at hand. Guys would guys would try and talk in your ear and you just try to block it out. But sometimes you, you change a few words back. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say I was loud. Um, yeah. Probably for me, once I got comfortable in the league <laughs> and uh <laughs> certain chip on my shoulder <laughs> I might have been the the guy to maybe be the bluntest or uh, you know maybe tell a coach or a general manager you know what I thought uh, maybe more so than these two guys but overall probably not as loud as you um, <laughs> maybe all three of us compare all of us together we might matter. Yeah, we might add up <laughs> So where does the competitive edge come from? Is it growing up brothers? Is it growing up just you see the person ahead of you? Like you talk about Dustin Brock, seeing him being talented, be like, I want to be just as talented as him. Brett, you're like, I want to be just as talented as Brock. And Jimmy being like, I want to be just as talented as all of them, right? Is that where the competitive nature starts? Is it dad? Is it mom? What is it that brings out that competitiveness in you guys? Well, I think one thing that's, one thing that to me is kind of different, and I don't know, I, I always felt like it was unique, is, um, and Jimmy was obviously 10 years younger than me, but, but close enough, me being close enough to Brock's age and to Dustin's age, I never felt like, 
I, I hear way too many stories of, of siblings that feel like are motivated because they want to be better so that they can say they're better than a sibling. Um, I definitely think that like I look and think, okay, I watched Brock be successful in this. I watched Dustin be successful in this. And I think that drove me, but I never did it thinking, you know what? I want to be able to say that I'm the best of the three. Like that, that wasn't something that drove me. And, and I don't know, maybe Brock and Dustin could say differently, but I was, I was a number one fan to both of them. Um, I would hope that, you know what, if I played a good game, I'd be happier if they played a better game. And uh, I think that we were taught kind of at a young age that, you know what, it's winning is great, but hating sucks. I mean, losing sucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would, I, I hated to lose more than I liked to win. And, and I, you, you know that I, I wasn't a vocal person, um, but after a loss, even though I might not have said something in the newspaper or said something on a TV station, it absolutely eats at all of us. And so I, I think that that competitive nature was, I don't think that it was instilled. Like, I think we just naturally had that being, being in a family that participated in sports and watching a dad coach and um, watching him be motivated to be good and, and have teams that were successful. So I think, I think that we're as competitive as anybody. I think it's just maybe we, maybe our competitiveness is displayed differently than a lot of people. And especially at the professional level, because you're surrounded by athletes that have been successful their whole lives that are confident in what they do and what they say. But uh, I definitely don't think that my, if, if somebody just hung out with me for a practice or a game, they probably would, like you said, maybe think, you know, is this guy really that competitive? Does he really care? But, um, I definitely do inside that it it absolutely pissed me off if we got beat or if I dropped a ball or if I missed an assignment or a block. Like it's it, it ate at me as much as anybody. Yeah, Brock. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, one of the things that kind of reminds me is when we had our Battle of Alberta and you guys were down there and I was in Edmonton. Uh, that was one of the stories that they seemed to want to. Uh, to go at was me versus Brett and Calgary Edmonton and our relationship. And um, it seemed like several reporters would, you know, come up and they'd hope that you'd, <laughs> you know, have a, have a wage or secretly hope that, you know, whatever. And, and don't get me wrong. He wanted to win. I wanted to win, but I still remember. Yeah. I remember games, you know, usually I'd go sit on the bench while uh, the defense was out. And when we played against you guys in Calgary and that, um, you know, I caught myself on the sideline, just wanted to see how he did. And I remember one game, he, he took a 70-yard touchdown or so uh, against us. And I had such mixed feelings. I mean, <laughs> it really was one of those things where it's like, I mean, I just want to see the guy have success and this is exciting. But it was really weird and I didn't know how to feel. So, uh yeah, you know what, we're not, with most things, we're not competitive. I've had a couple of people ask me lately with the golf games, you know, whether we're out to get one another. Uh, yeah, we all get mad when we don't play well or, you know, I guess different degrees of mad, but it's never really been a family where it's, you know, cutthroat with each other. And, and that's fine in different styles, but it wasn't really ours. And Jimmy just, yeah, he's kind of out of that whole mix, so. Jimmy spends time at Raptors games. He don't have time to golf. 
Yeah. Jimmy, where does your competitive fire come from? Well, I think for me, I think it's very similar to them too. I'm, I'm, I'm very quiet, but, but being 10 years um, removed from them, I think they just set such a standard for me. Um, I look back to when I went in as an undrafted free agent trying to make the team. And I was naive and didn't realize that, you know, the odds were against me. I just, again, I was, I'd, I'd see myself. I was with you guys in 2012, got to practice and I knew I belonged and, and then seeing my brothers do it. That kind of just gave me the competitive that, you know, I'm good enough to, to play at this level. And that was because of the, the, them going on and doing it before me. So I guess my competitiveness just comes from, from them a lot, a lot of that, just that belief. Um, I just, I just carry that with me. I just, I knew I, I knew I had to make the team, but since my brothers had done it, I knew, I, I knew I could do it. And like, so I guess I don't really know where it comes from, but just, just the belief that they gave me would be the main thing that I would take. Now, Brock, I was going to bring up the golf. I used to <laughs> golf with Brett and Cope. And when I first started golfing, I used to aim this way to hit it that way. <laughs> You remember that? <laughs> I think we only invited you once. I think you're slowing us down. <laughs> I had just started playing. I'm better now. I, I shoot probably mid to low 80s now. Oh, nice. I'm getting there. 10 years yeah. in, 12 years in, finally getting there. Who is the better golfer out of you guys? <laughs> Brett was growing up for sure. Brett was the scratch golfer growing I've up. Been in about a I've been in about a 10-year slump. Clubs have been collecting dust, so I'm I'm not at the top anymore. Me and Jimmy play nine holes. We walk nine holes most mornings at six fifteen, and uh, I can't remember the last time I beat him. So I'm not gonna pretend like I. They're acting like I'm good though. I'm not. I'm not good. I just play. I'm I play. just that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Y'all play any other sports against each other now, or? Do you just look at for the kids and everything else? You know what? I don't. I don't feel like me personally. I, I know Jimmy. The odd time will come up and play some pickup ball, and he's still got those young legs. But for me to go up and play basketball now is it's not worth it the next day. So um, I don't play a little bit of golf here and there, and then mostly it's follow the kids around and and do it as a coach instead of a player. So. In other words, I'm just not as active as I should be. <laughs> well, I just got a two-year ban in a 35-and-up basketball league. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you moved to Saskatchewan. You're going to try to leave you. <laughs> I'm way too competitive, but I don't try that hard. That's that's the problem. And then when people talk trash, I'm like, dude, I'm just out here having a good time. I'm not even – I'm just trying to get a good run up and down the court. I'm not trying to sit out here and do much. I'm not trying to hurt myself. And, yeah. I'm, but I'm way too competitive to go out there and play the way I play. And it really sucks. That's the thing for me is I haven't cared to – once I retired from competitive sports, it's like, I don't know. I have a hard time with any like tweener stuff, you know? So like the men's league basketball or guys trying to go get you to play flag football, I just know <laughs> certain personalities are gonna bring something out of me that I don't really wanna see brought out, you know? Yeah. Slash I'm hearing all these buddies of mine tearing Achilles and knees and things. I'm going, I kinda like the golf and then 
We actually do the occasional curl at Christmas. Try that one soon, Nick. <laughs> I don't think my knees yeah. allow me to curl. <laughs> oh, yeah? I'm not graceful on ice. <laughs> yeah, we got to get you curling. See out the blocks. <laughs> I lay on my stomach and just, like seal dive, like just <laughs> slide on my stomach like a seal and push it. <laughs> I don't think I can bend down like that I, with these screws in my ankle and things. I, I think I'm pretty much done with curling <laughs> before I even start. So let's talk about the Grey Cups. The first one, 2002, I believe it was. You won in two or three, Brock? Three. 2003 mm -hmm. with Edmonton. You beat Montreal. Can you take us back there, just like the atmosphere, what it was like to win your first Grey Cup? Was that – like, how, do you, how did you feel about that? And then – you guys been able to witness that? Well, yeah. So the yeah the Grey Cup that I won that year, I was on the sidelines for during the game. I broke my collarbone weeks before that. Oh, and, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. So that sucks. Yeah, it, it did. It did in ways, and uh, still found a way to get excited about it. But I think it's probably different. <laughs> from winning one where you're, you're sweating after the game and you're celebrating with your teammates. So, uh, you know, between being hurt and being a rookie and kind of just being handed one, I think Terry even made a point to, you know, tell me I owed him thank you for the, the couple thousand dollars in the ring and that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I didn't appreciate – I don't want to say I didn't appreciate it. I thought it was nice and easy and uh, – Planned on winning several more and playing in, you know, a lot of those games. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. I was I was young and naive, and it was in Saskatchewan, you know, fairly cold night. But uh, there's things I'll never forget. Yeah. I didn't know you broke your collarbone for that. Yeah. You know, and I tell people all the time, every person on the roster wins a great cup. Because it takes everybody from the practice roster to everybody to prepare, to, to prepare efficiently and prepare well, right? I think a lot of great players and, and people that understand the whole chemistry of teams, right? Every team is always – only, you only get 18 games and then plus three, hopefully, two or three to get the great cup because – as we know, the, the, the change every year, right? It's never going to be the same team, right, Brett? We talk about having the same receiving core pretty much every year. You know, Marte Jenkins leaves, Elijah Thurman comes in. Uh, then Ron Thelwell came in 2007. And then R.J. Franklin got there with Ron being nine. But it's pretty much the same core, but there's still so many changes to that team. Um, and I think that's what makes it so special it's just understanding what you did in the season leading up to it. And I think the game is just a – it kind of just verifies the hard work and all the effort you put in to your career, all the effort you put in to make it to that point. Did you still feel that gratification, Brock? Yeah, again, I mean, you know how it is when you're young. You just – you think it's easier than it is and you kind of expect things. And again, I wanted to, you know, after that, just play in a game and 
and contribute a different way. Um, but yeah, I definitely still felt the gratification and, you know, I had played most of the season and, uh, yeah, I think as I've gotten older, I I'm appreciating things more. So yeah. it's still nice to be able to go pull that ring out, which I never do, but if I wanted to, I could. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah. And then, you know, to see, see my brothers get it done was I, I remember when you guys won it uh, when you came back on Montreal that might have been <laughs> as excited as I, I got for my own game and you know again because you know we were out of the mix and, and you guys were trying to get that done and it was an exciting game and Brett caught a touchdown and the only yeah, touchdown to, yeah yeah so to watch that and and Jimmy win one as well that that was right there in terms of just uh, overall gratitude, satisfaction, achievement, whatever you want to call it. So, yeah. Yeah. Brett, 2008, catching the only touchdown, being a part of it. Yeah. I, I, you know what, I, I as even as Brock's talking there, and I've, I've actually thought about it a lot, I think the thing that if unless you've played in the CFL for, I don't think you have to have a 15-year career to understand it, but it's, it's a tough thing to win. Yeah. Like I, I look back and think, okay, I played five seasons and, and I, in my mind, I think that there's one year where I would say, you know what, I think BC was the best team in the league, but I, I honestly feel like the other four years could have been a great cup for, for Calgary as easy as anybody. Yeah. And, and you have those couple years prior to 208 where it's like, you got to have some things go your way. Um, fumbles and drop balls and incomplete pat like just Peace. those things. Hey. They get, <laughs> <laughs> no, they get in your – Say it, it, Ralphie, say it. I won't say it. Heck no. <laughs> and uh, and that's, the, that's the, to me, the thing. that By the time we got to 08, um, there was no doubt in my mind that I felt like we had the team that should have won it. But uh, by that point, it was like to win a championship, you got to have some luck. Yeah, and I, and I don't honestly remember a lot of that game. I, I remember dropping a ball early in the game, and yeah, I got the touchdown. But I, other than that, I felt like I was kind of a non-factor. I, I remember watching you guys catch, make some tough catches, and and scoring in that game was was next to impossible. Yeah, you and Avon scored the only touchdowns. Yeah, and, and so it was like, and I've watched the game back, and and had I not watched the game back, I honestly couldn't tell you much about the game at all. I just think it kind of becomes surreal as you're out there and you're in a, you're in a stadium full of Montreal fans. And um, I remember more, I feel like, of the week leading up and the practices and playing and practicing with crowd noise and, and getting prepped for that. But uh, as I've watched the game back, as they've been played on TSN, it's it's kind of like, you know what, yeah, I remember this and that. But it's it's a journey that is is difficult. And yeah. these people that can come into the league and win one quick, they're lucky because sometimes you go a long time without. Like I look at and the guy that shares his name up on the side of the stadium, and McMahon, that's from Raymond Lloyd Fairbanks, played 17 years in the CFL, has a Hall of Fame type career, and never won a Grey Cup. The year that he retires from Calgary, the next year they bring in Flutie and they win a Grey Cup. And so yeah. here's a guy that had a heck of a career played all those years and, and doesn't have a ring to show for it. And yet I feel like all three, all three of us were pretty fortunate to be on competitive teams 
at some point in our careers. And so it's, it's a tall task. And, and I, people that think that, oh, you know what, it's easy to come up and win one or they haven't experienced it or are crazy one or the other. Yeah, they say it's only a nine-team league, but it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah. You know, it's hard to win consistently. Like, you can win a game here and there, but consistently win, that's hard. Jimmy, you're, you're great cup. Yeah, uh, mine was cool. Mine was Coach Tressman and, and Ricky Ray. Um, it was my rookie year. So when I won my great cup, I kind of just like you guys have been saying, thought that, you know, this, this happens all the time or these are easy to win. And then the next two years, um, we were far from that. I think we were at the bottom of the league the, the following two years. So I was very fortunate my rookie year. Kind of, kind of caught some, caught some heat at the right time, and I think we won. I think seven or eight straight um, to win it out, and we clinched, uh, clinched the division and converted a third down in the, in the east, in the Eastern Conference Final, and then Ricky Ray um, led us, led us the way. But it was just cool to have a guy like Coach Tressman that, you know, really slows the game down and 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 makes it more about life outside of football, and then a guy like Ricky Ray who can't even get a word out but is more focused and as good of a leader as there is and world-class leader and the way that he goes about it and is consistent with his emotions and his performance and things like that and just how everything came together it was all it was all based on love um, it's kind of weird but you'd hear the word love uh, shared in the locker room because of coach Tressman he had a bunch of grown grown men full of testosterone just telling each other they love each other but that was the atmosphere that Coach Tressman brought to the to the team, and and we peaked at the right time, and it was a we had a belief, and we went into Calgary right before the game, and you know most coaches before a game will say let's let's kick the crap out of them, let's win this game by forty, and his his whole message all year was CFL is fifty seven plus three, it's yeah. um, fifty seven minutes, and the last three minutes of the CFL is chaos, and we preached that throughout the whole season, and then our our pregame speech going out there against Calgary. Um, he said, we're going to win this game in the last three minutes. He said, I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And it's because we all love each other. And you hear that. And, and then you, you see the comeback we had when, you know, we make the field goal and then we get the interception of the, the last drive. Matt Black picks it off in the end zone and we win somehow um, to a team that, you know, had a better record, was probably looked at from the media and the fans as the best team of the, in the league that year. Two and, two and one. Yeah. And, and we, we just played – played the right football at the right time and, and we had the chemistry the one that you try to build and I think in football it's you know you always want to have the team chemistry in any team you're playing with but football it's so hard because you got 50 60 guys on a team and guys are coming in and out you some sometimes you don't even know some of your teammates and and so to have that that camaraderie we had and that love um I don't know if I'll ever get that again I hope too but but the last two years we tried to we tried to do that again and it's hard um and just playing with Ricky Ray was just such an amazing experience you know I, I got his autograph when I'm in grade eight um, <laughs> that was the first thing I told him when in training camp and and then you get to catch balls from him and win a great cup with him it's it's pretty cool to have those experiences but yeah I was, I was fortunate to be part of that team two quarterbacks three brothers three great cups you know just thinking in a 14, 15 year span. That's pretty awesome. I don't know if you kind of can understand that 
how hard it is for one person to make it out of a 4,000 person town. But for you guys to do it and be brothers and to be integral parts and, and special to the teams and, and do the things that you've done, it's very special. It's a very special thing. Um, like Ralphie knows, I've always had the utmost respect for him. Even when we're finishing a game and he looks at me after a catch and he got the legs taken out from, out from under him and his head hit the ground. And he's like, you got to tell me what to do. <laughs> I remember that. I don't know how I remember that, but I remember that. I don't remember anything after that. <laughs> he, said, he said he went home and he kept telling his wife, Ralphie's hungry. <laughs> he's speaking in third person. Yeah. <laughs> exactly how it went down. <laughs> but the, the bonds you make in sports, also the things you learn through sports. Just to wrap this up, and we'll start with you, Brock, since you're the oldest and you've been done the longest. Can you just talk about the bonds you made in sports and just the relationships built and just the things that you learned through sports that carries you on through life now to allow you to continue to move in a positive direction? Yeah, I mean, for me and my whole family, sports has been such a big part from the time we even, you know, knew what was going on. and. and Grew up with a basketball coach for dad, uh, you know, coming and hanging out at practices two hours a night and road trips. And, you know, we grew up with that, you know, being such a big piece of our, our weekly routine and weekend um, entertainment. Um, you know, so from even just myself at that age, it, it gave me something to do. Um, you know, it, it it, it helps to expand your imagination when you're you're on the acreage and you're looking for something to do. And and growing up with brothers, you know, we were able to create competitive atmosphere all the time. You know, we talked about how we're not that competitive. No, in our younger years, um, they can testify, you know, especially me, I'd be kicking the basketball, you know, 50 yards across the field or tearing – boards off the fence you know I I didn't like it losing and it was fun to be able to grow up that way you know even kind of away from our friends you know we just had kind of each other so those years into the high school and and a great you know set of friends there and coaches and relationships um, it's really been every stage of my life that uh, I've had sport and you know now I'm a high school teacher and I coach high school football at Harry Ainley in Edmonton. And uh, this will be my seventh year coaching there. So awesome. I continue to have relationships. Now it's with, you know, young athletes and, and guys that had the same dreams that all of us had. Um, you know, so it's just, it's all I know. And I don't know what I'd do without sport and without the relationships. I probably wouldn't have many friends. Um, <laughs> I'd probably be a lot... Uh, you know, bored looking for, for things to do than, than I am, but it's, it's done amazing things and, and opened a lot of doors for myself. And uh, yeah, I'm just so appreciative, <laughs> appreciative to those that uh, coached me along the way, teammates that I had, um, 
again, it's, it's stuff that'll last a lifetime. So yeah, that's sports to me. Brett. You know what? I think I kind of echo a lot of what he just said, because I feel like our experiences, and I think obviously um, professional careers kind of went different directions and where we played and we played with. Um, I think our, I think our upbringing was very similar, uh, coached by a lot of the same people in the same community, the same type of community, community support in all the sports that we played. But I, I think as, as Brock was talking there, I obviously didn't want to repeat exactly what he said because I think, I think I could and it would be accurate. But I started to think about the relationships, um, the relationships you build with coaches, with teammates, um, and I'm, I've always been bad at staying in touch with a lot of people. I'm not a, I'm not a Facebook guy. I'm not an Instagram guy. I'm not, I'm not a social media guy, but I look and think, you know what, how, how neat is it that 11 years after I play, I'm standing here or sitting here in a chair talking to an old teammate. Um, yeah. um I still text coach Dickinson, um, regularly. I, I've stayed in contact with guys that, that I consider some of my best friends, even though I, like I said, I spend very little time with them. And so I think sport brings out the, the best in people in a lot of ways. I think it can bring out the bad in people as well. Yeah. But I think for the most part, you, you see a side of people that you don't see in everyday life. And so um, as I've kind of taken on a, a coaching role now in my life, um, I'm coaching high school kids. And, and I think one of the things that I try and convey to them is um, you're here with 12 other guys that, that you're going to consider best friends for a long time. And, and they might not be the guys you hang out with on a Saturday night, but um, when you think back to high school and you think back to your younger years, it's, it's those times you went to battle, whether it's on a basketball court or a football field. And those are the types of things you remember. You don't remember. Sometimes you remember the plays and you remember the play call or the whatever, but it's, it's that, you know what? I, I think I, I lined up beside Nick Lewis, who's a, who's a hall, hall of famer um, for five years in a row and watched him do his thing. I got to, I got to know guys that, that have had successful careers that have gone, that are going to go on and do amazing things. And so those are the types of things to me that, that I think make sport unique and not everybody experiences those. So it's, it's obviously going to be on a different scale for everybody, but I just think it's, it's introduced my family and whether it's my siblings or my kids to a side of, of life that, I'm grateful for, and I think that is it's something I'll never take for granted. That's for sure. Yeah, Jimmy, you young career man. <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to go third, but uh, yeah, just exactly what they're saying. Uh, their relationships, and for me, sports. You know, I'm still I'm still going. I'm still trying to make a career out of this, and still trying to train and prepare for the season as if we're going. But for me, uh, sports has been my life. Um, as a kid, I mean, I didn't have my brothers to in the yard to play catch with, but it was, it was my form of creativity, my imagination. Um, I didn't have anybody to play with, like I said, so I had to make invisible people, um, some imaginary friends in the backyard when, when I thought no one was looking, but my brothers were peeking through the, bl the blinds watching me play against and get tackled by no one. Um, so that was sports for me at a young age. And then, you know, watching my brothers go about it. And I just kept trying to, trying to go as far as I could. And then just the, and then as you get this far and you get to the professional level, you, you look back and you see all the relationships you had. And again, like you, like my brother said, like Brett said, you know, getting, being able to sit here. I remember when I was a young boy, it would have been your second season. I remember coming to the Labor Day Classic. I don't even think Brett was playing yet. 
Um, and seeing you in the end zone, you were praying. You just came off your rookie year. You were a little thinner than you are now, but that's Nick Lewis. That's the that's the rookie of the year. And then again, here I am sitting here and talking to you. Um, that's fifteen, probably fifteen years removed from from then. And that's really what it's all about. Um, you you get the opportunity to win championships for us, great cups and. But you look back and you look at all the relationships you had and the people you got to share those experiences with. And then the stories you get to tell forever. You know, we get to sit and talk about different experiences and, and you really you really realize that's really what it's all about. It is. It's the journey. Yep. What Garth Brooks say? <laughs> <laughs> it's the journey. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's all yeah. about that journey. Well, I appreciate you guys for coming on and sharing your stories, your journeys. And everything. Anybody have anything last to say? I don't want to pull nothing out of thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything. I got to say thank you. I remember in high school, you were, you came and supported me um, when you were playing with Brett. Um, you had no reason to to do that other than just because you're a good guy. And just the little things that you do. Um, I mean, the energy you bring when whether it's now I see it through social media, but you should be on a panel somewhere because you have a love for the game. You have a love for people. You've you've you played with and I mean I wasn't your teammate but I saw the teammate you were yeah so thank you for all the support you appreciate it appreciate it yeah I'm creating that panel creating it now no somebody will shut me up soon <laughs> well I just want to appreciate you guys for for coming on like I said I just thought it was so special and, and something that um I don't know how often or you guys have got to sit down together and have this conversation for the world to hear because these are the stories that are valuable, right? Hopefully somebody in some other te little town, it's like, maybe it is possible, right? Because like you said, Jimmy, something gave you that belief was your older brothers doing it. And that's what it's about is giving people hope and inspiring people through what we've gone through. And it's not easy. You know, we all have some bad days along the way, and uh, but you just gotta keep pushing through it. And, and once you keep pushing, eventually you'll get there. This has been awesome. I've enjoyed it. Well, we appreciate you having us. The Raymond boys. <laughs> the Raymond Ralphs. Oh, Brock, I got one thing for you. Mm -hmm. Brett, you too give you another chance to play together. Oh, geez. So word on the street, or not really word on the street, but it's kind of fictional right now. That means it's not true, right? <laughs> <laughs> so Milt said he was coming back at 50, hypothetically. Then G-Roy put out a video that he might come back. And I was like, well, I'll come back at 40. <laughs> Talked to Fred Stamps. He said he'll come back. Rami Bryant said he'll come back. Chad Owens said he'll come back. <laughs> so I figured that's six Americans. So we could play every other week. And now <laughs> we're going to need four Canadians to play every other week. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to go to, instead of the Atlantic Schooners, yeah. they're going to be called the Atlantic Legends. <laughs> you in? Yeah, yeah, if you can finish this whole idea, I'm in. <laughs> it comes to be. <laughs> <laughs>
and we can get we can talk Ricky into coming out of retirement. Hey, how about it? <laughs> well, I'm just building a team here. They might make me the GM for the Atlantic yeah. Club. It's a one-year wonder. <laughs> but if we beat all the kids, Jimmy, you would be pissed off. And yeah. <laughs> Red, I know you still got that curl right in you. Yeah. Yeah, my my knees might go the other way. But... <laughs> All right, fellas, I appreciate you for coming on. Thank you very much. Y'all have a great one. Take care, Nick. Peace. Peace. Peace.